0: God and depend upon his word amen amen and we're praying for all those that are affected by this virus and and we're praying that God will just stop the spread of it in the name of Jesus amen and we're praying for those affected by the tornado in Nashville tornadoes in Nashville Tennessee a devastating we got a lot to pray about don't ever don't ever feel like you don't have something to pray about You've got a lot to pray about. We have a lot to pray about. Amen. And today we're going to look into the word of the Lord from the book of 1 Kings chapter 7. I just want to share with you what the Lord has placed upon my heart this morning. 1 Kings chapter 7. And we're going to read verses 13 and 14 of 1 Kings chapter 7. The word of the Lord uh, says this. And King Solomon sent and fetched Hiram out of Tyre he was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali and his father was a man of Tyre a worker in brass and he was filled with wisdom and understanding and cunning to work all works in brass and he came to King Solomon and wrought all his work Amen. And I I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning on the subject, the spirit factor. The spirit factor. Amen. We just lift our voices together across this congregation, ask the Lord's blessing upon his word. God, we thank you for this gathering of people that have come together, Lord, today to hear your word, to receive of your great spirit. I pray, Lord, that as the word of God goes forth, it will find good ground. Help us, I pray, Lord, to receive what you have for us. Lord, let us not walk out of this place empty-handed, but allow your word to accomplish that whereto you send it. In Jesus' name, I pray for an anointing upon me as I preach. Strength, Lord, and focus. I pray, Lord, that the word of God will go forth in love and in boldness. In the precious name of Jesus. And everybody said, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. And amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. God bless you.
1: <laughs>
0: this passage of Scripture uh, leapt out at me. And it perhaps has something to do with the fact that we are in the middle of a building uh, campaign. Uh, we are looking, of course, with, with great anticipation to the day we are able to begin the process of building this building that the Lord has called us to build. Brother Dixon mentioned it earlier. uh, We're not gonna be weary in well-doing. We're gonna continue to do what God has called us to do. And this great congregation has given $2,053,000 already to Ready Now. That is amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. And we have a pledged goal of $3.6 million, and we're going to reach it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to reach it in Jesus' name. And, of course, we are, we are operating at the speed of money. And so as, we, as, the, as the funds continue to accrue, we are getting closer and closer to that day. And, y'all, I'm, I'm just going to dance into that sanctuary shouting and carrying on, giving God the glory for, for bringing us to that place of completion. Amen. And, and, and yet this passage of Scripture really spoke to me because it really occurs in perhaps the most monumental uh, building program, if, if I can call it that, in the Word of God, uh, as far as a physical structure. This was Solomon's temple. Solomon 's temple was unlike anything that you and I could really describe. Uh, the Word of God describes his temple and and as you really take time to go through the language of this temple, you realize that this was a work of stunning art and uh, a, 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 a display of building acumen that that really has no rival and it was it was so. Famed in its present world that that it, it gathered the attention of of the entire world that was before uh, social media that was before Instagram stories and selfies and that that was before there was any kind of ability to really to really put this on paper and put it on a brochure. There was no way to, to advertise this as we would think of marketing or advertising, and yet the fame of this temple spread throughout the world, to the point that a, a queen of Sheba heard of the wisdom of Solomon and famously came from the uttermost parts of the earth just to hear the wisdom of Solomon and to see his glory the glory of his temple. It was a magnificent temple. And as we consider this uh, and delve into it, we recognize that there were a few pivotal points, a, a few decisive moments that shifted and, 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 and really kind of led the, the way in which Solomon uh, built this temple. One of those is found in the two verses of Scripture that we've read this morning. It has to do with a man by the name of Hiram. Hiram was, as our, our text explained to us, he was a widow's son of the tribe of Naphtali. He was out of Tyre. So he was, he was not in Israel. He was out of, out of Tyre. But his mother was an Israelitess. She was of the tribe of Naphtali. This made Hiram able to claim his Jewish heritage. And his father was a man of Tyre, and his father was a worker in brass. Hiram was also a worker in brass. But he couldn't have just been a worker in brass, or one of many. He stood out. King Solomon, he didn't play any games when it came to recruiting those that would build this building called the temple of solomon a temple of the lord and solomon recruited hiram because he wasn't just a worker in brass he took what his father passed on to him and he did something super special with it he was the bible said filled with wisdom amen the bible said he was filled with understanding and that he was cunning To work all works in brass that's quite a resume he was filled with wisdom he was filled with understanding and something that you don't always see tied into wisdom and understanding he was cunning to work all works in brass wisdom in this context is a reference to his skill he had great skills So the scripture is telling us that Hiram was a man whose dad worked in brass and Hiram worked in brass, but Hiram was filled with skills. Not only was he filled with skills, but he was filled with understanding and understanding in this context is a reference to his experience, his work experience, his life experience. These are things you would expect in a resume, letting the king know what your skill set is, letting the king know what your life experience is, what your work experience is. But then the Bible puts another layer, another element to Hiram's pedigree, and it says something unique. It says he was cunning to work all works in brass. Cunning isn't something that you really see all the time with wisdom and understanding. And it's not how we would use it. When we talk about cunning in our modern language, we we think of a a you know a an a inference to deceitfulness, perhaps, or conniving and, and some kind of sly, sneaky, suspicious behavior. But that's not what the word cunning here means. This word cunning means knowledge. Unaware. Knowledge unaware. It has to do with a knowledge, but an intangible knowledge. So Hiram had skills. Hiram had a lot of experience. But then he had this other quality that not everybody had. It was a knowledge that he didn't even know he had or how he got it. It just was there. And it was noticeable and it set him apart. It made him what we might call outstanding. Standing out. Now, now in the business world, that has a little bit of a, a tagline associated with it. That concept of someone being capable but not sure how they're capable. Flexible, but flexible by instinct. Having an intuitive aptitude for the work that they do. And, 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 some might call it the it factor, the it factor. Some people get it and some people don't. I don't know. I, and, and sometimes I feel like I'm getting it. And other times I feel like I'm not getting it. There's some circles I'm in and I'm like, oh yeah, this, I'm, I can really flow with this. This is really working. And then the, I'll be in another area and I'll think, man, I don't have a clue what they're talking about. I don't know what in the world this is. This is a language that does not at all compute to me. And so there is an it factor. There are, there are some legendary bosses and CEOs who have hired solely on the it factor. There, are, there are, are different individuals. Ralph Lauren, for instance, a world-famous fashion designer, is, is, is well-known for often not even looking at a person's portfolio, but simply sitting down and having a conversation with that person. And in the conversation, gleaning things about them and from them and, and, and not even looking at their life experience, work experience, or their skill set. He just has certain questions he's going to ask that's going to tell him everything he needs to know about whether they get it or not. Bill Walsh, the famous 49ers head coach, was scouting for a quarterback, and and as he was looking for this quarterback, the quarterback had a roommate that went out with him to the scouting session. And he was throwing the football to his roommate. The roommate was receiving it, And Walsh was watching the quarterback pass the ball to the roommate as the receiver. And the receiver started doing things that caught Walsh's attention. He started seeing him dart and dive and and run routes. And, And all of a sudden, Walsh wasn't even looking at the quarterback anymore. He's looking at the receiver. And he decided the receiver had a quality. They didn't need a receiver. They needed a quarterback. But Walsh was looking at the receiver because he, he recognized there was a quality in him that, that, that set him apart from the pack, if you please. He had an it factor. And, and, and Walsh, against the advice of his staff, recruited the receiver, dropped the quarterback, and the receiver's name was Dwight Clark of the San Francisco 49ers, a 49ers legend. But Walsh was looking for the it factor. Larry Ellison, who is the founder and CEO of Oracle Technologies, he, he, he oftentimes will only sit down in an interview, ignore the resume, ignore the portfolio, and simply talk about what he is interested in at the moment. He wants to know their thoughts. What is their take? What is their perspective on this or that? And it tells him what he needs to know about the it factor. What is the it factor? It's an intangible, it's a nuanced thing that neither the interviewer or the interviewee can put their finger on. I'm going to go a step further and say that it's more than an it factor, it's a spirit factor. Amen. It's a spirit factor. Because because there are qualities that just emerge within us that didn't come from us. There are abilities and there are capacities and there are, are proclivities that that just kind of emerge in our And our application and execution of things. And how we think and how we operate. Instinctiveness and intuitiveness. And and we don't know where it it came from. And and the world doesn't know where it came from. But I want you to understand you are fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I hearken back to when God spoke to Jeremiah. And said to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you and I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. While you were in the womb and before I began forming you, I was building into you qualities and quantity and capacity, hallelujah, and ability, and I was setting you into this world. This is why, ladies and gentlemen, you need to understand, don't let the devil beat you up for what proficiencies or deficiencies you have. You put your trust in the God who created you. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. And so, so there are certain things that emerge from us and, and Solomon saw that in Hiram. He saw in him a, a unique cunning. He, he was different than everybody else. Everybody had certain wisdom. Everybody had certain skills. Everybody had certain understanding, certain work experience and life experience. And those things are not to be downplayed. Wisdom is is absolutely imperative in life. Develop skills, home crafts. Develop a greater knowledge. If you are gifted in an area, concentrate on that gifting and, and let the skills surround it and and even enhance it and amplify it and understanding is not to be downplayed no matter how gifted you are nothing nothing replaces life experience or work experience you can avoid a lot of pitfalls simply by relying on experience by understanding I've been through this before, I know how to deal with this. I'm not going to make the same mistake twice. You don't have to learn every lesson by going through the school of hard knocks. There's some people with a, multiple doctorates from the school of hard knocks. And you don't have to necessarily do that. Let experience inform you. But then there's a cunning that Solomon saw in Hiram. And he said, I, I I you can't teach the cunning. You can't sit somebody in a class and put a chalkboard in front of them and begin to explain to them what the it factor is, what the nuances are. You just have to put them into the middle of it and see how they react and see what their reflexive tendency is to a thing or to a situation. And and, and Solomon saw it in Hiram and said, I want to hire. Hiram bring him in fetch him out of Tyre he was a widow's son he was the widow's son she was a a lady of the tribe of Naphtali his father was a worker in brass this and 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 his father had passed away in those days when the dad passed away all hope was gone it was a major uh, shift in the family dynamic it's a tragedy today And it was even more of a tragedy in those days in the sense there wasn't insurance. There weren't safety nets. There weren't places and things that could help people as there are now. But Hiram was a widow's son. He had to come up in the trade that his father passed down to him. And he was a worker in brass. And as he began to apply his craft and apply his trade, certain skills and certain abilities and certain qualities began to flow from him. It caught the attention of Solomon. And he said, fetch him out of Tyre. I'm going to use him in the construction of my temple. I love how God will just call somebody out of their circumstance. God will just lift somebody up and out of where they have found themselves laboring that's what he did with Hiram go and fetch Hiram and and call him out I'm recruiting him for my purpose and for my kingdom and here comes Hiram now when Hiram steps into the situation things change things change you may not have noticed it, but things changed when Hiram got involved. Before Hiram gets involved, Solomon's temple, it's, it's symmetrically sound. It's got, the Bible says, great stones. Great stones. He uses that term several times. Great stones, costly stones. They're fantastic. There are so many cubits wide. There's so many cubits uh, high. There's so many cubits deep. They've got all of this dimension. They're squared off just right. The windows are perfectly in a row. Everything is symmetrically sound. Wisdom has done its job. Understanding has done its job. But now it's time for cunning to step into the picture. Now it's time for the spirit factor to step into the picture. And here comes Hiram. When Hiram gets into the picture, everything starts changing. Things start coming to life. Solomon's temple starts to pop with an amazing animation. He builds columns, and at the top of the columns, it's like seven and a half feet wide. He's got what look They're literally like lilies made out of brass. And they're hanging from multiple columns throughout Solomon's temple. He's got a molten sea of brass. And it's this magnificent sea. Uh, and and this, this basin, this large basin. It's set upon 12 oxen and 12 bulls. And, and there are lions that are made out of brass. The Bible ends up saying that, that the brass that was used in Solomon's temple was so much that it wasn't even able to be calculated. Nobody could keep track of it. It wasn't weighed because it was so much brass. There were lions of brass. There were oxen of brass. There were lilies of brass. There were pomegranates of brass. There were wreaths of brass. And, and it was all Hiram. He went into that place, took great stones, great costly stones, perfect dimension, and he began to add flair and flash. He began to add animation and he brought his his artistic ability and his cunning ability to the picture. There is such a thing as an it factor, but it's not what the world thinks it is. There is such a thing as a spirit factor I want you to understand, ladies and gentlemen, as we go into a building program, yes, we need skills. Yes, we need wisdom. Yes, we need understanding. Yes, we need experience. But more than anything, we need the Holy Spirit of God to be at work in our midst. Listen, I know it's going to be a beautiful building, but what's more important than than the inches and the square footage, what's more important than the symmetry is the power of the Holy Ghost at work in the church of the living God. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter. We can be as structured as we need to be. And we do need structure. And we do need experience. And we do need hands-on. But if we don't have the power of the Holy Ghost, then everything else comes to naught. God's not looking for people who just have experience or people who just have skills. God's looking for people who know how to pray, who know how to get a hold of God, for people who are dedicated to the work of God, submitted to the will of God, obedient to the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah it's more than it's more than just ability it has to do with the spirit factor how tuned in are we to the Holy Ghost how tuned in are we to the moving of the Spirit stuff you can't put your finger on stuff you can't put in a ledger stuff you can't calculate things and 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 situations that you have no way to account for it's just God at work It's God at work. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof. But you can't tell whence it cometh, and you can't tell whither it goeth. So is every one that is born of the Spirit. Every single one of us have a spirit factor inside of us. Hallelujah. Every single one of us have access to that certain special something that sets us apart. That's why, that's why it's in your workplace. And if it's not the case, it needs to be the case. People need to say, there's something different about her. I don't know what it is, but I like to be around her. I don't know what it is, but there's something special about him. I can't quite put my finger on it, but but when he walks into the room, there's a peace that comes with him. When she walks into the room, hallelujah, there's a joy that comes with her. And if you are walking into this world, and you're just blending in with everybody else, and you don't stand out, and nobody knows knows who you are and you're an incognito christian and you've tucked away every visible sign that you're a follower of jesus christ today would be a good day to repent jesus said if you deny me before men i'll deny you before my father we're not ashamed of the gospel of christ it is the power of god unto salvation Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on. There's an it factor in you. There's a spirit factor in you. Hallelujah. No, you don't get to lose your cool like everybody else. No, you don't get to backbite like everybody else. No, 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 no. You don't you don't get to you don't get to spread rumors like other people spread rumors. You're different there's a cunning about you there's a spirit factor about you that separates you from the pack that gets the king's attention he notices you hallelujah somebody else the quarterback might be who was on the on the option table but God's attention swerves to you because, because there's things you're doing there's prayer happening there's worship happening there's loving your neighbor that's happening there's reaching for the lost that's happening hallelujah what is it? It's the spirit Fact. Yeah. The Lord showed me something uh, this weekend. My, my niece got married, and I was uh, speaking at the wedding. And, and as I was preparing to do so, I, I was thinking of her qualities. And she's such a sweet young lady. And so I made reference to the fact that she is such a sweet young lady. And I said, what, what are we talking about when we say someone is sweet? What do we mean by that? I mean, sweet is a sensation of taste. How then is it a character trait? But, but it's, it's a compliment when we say, oh, they are so sweet. Isn't she so sweet? She's just the sweetest thing. Isn't it, it? Wasn't that a sweet thing of them to do? That was so sweet. What are you talking about? How is it sweet? Graders is sweet. That's what's sweet. How is a person sweet? but they are and and, and there's sweetness and the Lord showed me what this means it's a reference to the fruit of the spirit it's the fruit of the spirit that's sweet it's love that's sweet it's joy that's sweet it's goodness that's sweet it's gentleness that's sweet it's meekness that's sweet and when those things come from you it makes you sweet this world needs to taste and see oh taste and see that the Lord is good There's something about you that separates you from the people around you. It doesn't make you better than them. It doesn't make you superior to them. But there's a sweetness in you. There's a goodness in you. There's an it factor in you. I don't know what it is, but when they speak, they make peace. I'm telling you, this is why the children of Israel were always rising to the top, because there was a spirit factor that was occurring in their life. The Bible says that Daniel and the three Hebrew children, they were different. They were men of wisdom, and they were cunning in understanding. They were full of wisdom and they were cunning in understanding. They were different than the Babylonians. The Babylonians had a lot of experience. They had a lot of skills and there's not one thing wrong with that. Every one of us needs to constantly be improving ourselves as much as we possibly can. But don't for one moment think that's going to replace the demonstration of the Holy Ghost. The Apostle Paul came to the church at Corinth and he said, I came not to you with enticing words of men's wisdom. I came to you with the demonstration of the spirit and a power. I came to you with the spirit factor. Hallelujah. 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 Joseph walks out of that prison house and into Pharaoh's court, and he's got this monumental task of explaining to Pharaoh what this dream means. And he tells him what this dream means. We've got we've got seven uh, well-favored kine, and we have seven lean kine, and the seven lean kine eat the seven well-favored kine, and we have seven full ears of corn, and we have seven thin ears of corn, and the seven thin ears of corn devour the seven uh, full ears of corn. What do you, what what does this mean Joseph said I'll tell you what it means he said it means that there are 7 years of plenty and then there are 7 years of famine and we better store up in the 7 years of plenty because in the 7 years of famine everything we store is going to be wasted in those 7 years of famine so we got to get ready and we got to get our corn together and we got to gather it and we've got to store it and we've got to build storehouses and and somebody brought to my attention a friend of mine brother Phil Butler was talking to me. He said, when you look at that story, he said, I want you to notice something. He said, God didn't say, or Pharaoh didn't say, rather, who is it that we need to find to accomplish such a task? We need somebody who's, who's skilled in agriculture. It's not what he said. He didn't say we need somebody who is, who is able to, 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 to build as big a storehouse as we can possibly find. He didn't even say that. Now, now that's who I'd be looking for. That's who you'd probably be looking for. Somebody who understands corn. Somebody who understands storage. Somebody who understands temperature. Somebody who can, who can flesh it out through wisdom and understanding. But that's not what Pharaoh said. Pharaoh said we need somebody who has the spirit of God. Pharaoh didn't even believe in the God he was talking about. But he said, Joseph, you have the Spirit of God. I don't know what kind of an administrator you are. I don't know what kind of an organizer you are. But you've got the power of the God of Israel at work in your life. That's what we need. Hallelujah. Notice what he said. He said, there is none so wise as you that skill and there's none so discreet as you that's different than skill discreet is a different trait it's a different quality it's an it factor You, you you have this intangible innate awareness of what to say and when to say it, and when not to say it, how to do it, and when not to do it. And, 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 and you've got these skills. That makes you appealing. But, but, but there's a lot of guys that have as many skills and might even have more. But it's this discretion that's drawing me to you. I love how you get it. Hallelujah. 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 Saul was tormented King Saul was tormented the Bible said that an evil spirit sent by God to torment King Saul and he didn't know how to handle it he was no match for the evil spirit and I want you to know today if you're tormented by evil spirits you're no match for it in your flesh stop trying to fight it with your flesh stop trying to think it away stop trying to worry it away well, if I sit here and think about all of the different, different things about this and the different matters concerning this, then maybe I can think it and logically process it away. Good luck with that. You're going to think yourself into a delirium of of doubt and and depressiveness and and you're going to get overloaded and overwhelmed. You need a work of the Spirit of God. You need the Spirit to factor into your circumstances. And the Bible said we need to find a player of the harp who is cunning on the harp. Somebody who gets it. Somebody that it just flows from. And here came David, young David, the psalmist, the sweet psalmist of Israel, the sweet psalmist of Israel, hallelujah, the sweet, hallelujah, psalmist of Israel, there was fruit flowing from him because he was the sweet psalmist of Israel, and David walks into this, into this room where Saul was being tormented by evil spirits, and he sat down with that harp, and when his hands hit that harp, I don't know who gave him harp lessons. I don't know who sat him down and did recitals with him. I, I don't know if he understood music theory. I don't know. Maybe he did. But what I do know is when he sat down and his hands hit that harp, the Spirit of God moved through the members of his body and his members were yielded as instruments of righteousness. And he played that harp with a cunning the Bible said with an innate knowledge it was just there it was just there and when the evil spirits met somebody with a cunning somebody with an it factor somebody with a Holy Ghost was working with them they had to flee the premises they had to get out of Dodge they had to leave town they had to leave the place because the Spirit was now a factor. And I'm gonna tell you one of the biggest challenges you have in your life is you're trying to handle things without factoring the power of the Spirit of God. I'm gonna tell you as a church body, we're not doing that. Everything we do, it has to be in the name of Jesus whether in word or in deed. We're going to do it all in the name of Jesus. If we go pray for the sick, we're going to pray for the sick and we're going to factor the power of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to, hallelujah, if we're going to counsel and provide guidance, we're going to do it under the unction of the Holy Ghost. I don't want my flesh involved. My flesh has no ability. I have no confidence in my flesh. It's the Holy Ghost or nothing. It's the Holy Ghost or nothing. We are a spirit filled body of believers. We've been baptized with the Holy Ghost in power. It's the Spirit of God that'll destroy the yoke, it's the Spirit of God that'll break the addiction, it's the Spirit of God that will provide the direction. And I'm going to tell you something. When you baptize your skills in the Spirit, your skills will come to life. Somebody lift your hands and praise him right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hallelujah.
0: <laughs> Come on and stand with me right now if you would. The Holy Ghost is in this place. Hallelujah. I I I just want to be transparent with you today. I've been preaching since I was 15 years old full time. I was preaching before that, but I wasn't, y'all didn't want to hear that. It was, it was rough. But by 15, the anointing of God came upon me. And he gave me his precious favor to preach his gospel. And I'll be grateful to him all the days of my life. But when you're 15 and you start preaching, and you get to you continue on, and all throughout my life, I every once in a while I would wonder. What, what else could I have done? Could I have done something else? What if, what, what if I'd have gone into business? or You know, what if I'd have gone into some maybe medical field or real estate or, you know, just entrepreneurship? I mean, I, I just wonder. And one day I was asking that, and I said, Lord, what would I have been if I had not gone into the ministry and I felt the Lord speak to me and say you wouldn't have been. You are where I've placed you. It, it, it blessed me so much. It comforted me so much. Folks, what I'm preaching to you today is from my heart. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit. If I don't have the Holy Spirit, I've got nothing. I've got nothing. I feel the desperation of David when he said, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Why do you, why do you try to apply your hand in your field of labor without the spirit factor involved why do you try to be a good dad without the spirit factor being involved you got wisdom you got understanding but do you have the cunning do you have the the it the spirit do do you have that wind that blows and nobody knows where it's coming from or whether it's going and the prophet Isaiah said it like this. He said, when, I, when God speaks to his people, he speaks like this. Line upon line. Line upon line. And we can relate to that. We need lines. When you're driving down the street today, you'll thank God for those lines. You need lines. You need line upon line. There's, there's, there's necessity of structure. He said, and then there's precept upon precept that has to do with understanding and the birth of, of, of revelation and, 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 it, and it, it's precept, it's, it's foundational truth. You need that to fill those lines and to give them meaning. But then he said something that, that doesn't make as much sense to us. He said, here a little, there a little. Where? Here. Where's here? Here and there. How much? A little. Well, how much is a little? Just a little here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little it just scattered and spattered here and there, a little here and a little there, it's the work of the spirit, you can't put your finger on it you can't, you can't quantify it you can't measure it you can't, you can't count it you can't weigh all the brass that is used in the construction of the temple there's just so much and it's incalculable I need that in my life I need that. I I I'm comfortable with some lines and I'm comfortable with some precepts, but Lord, the here a little and there a little, that's you. I need you. I need you to splatter it and smatter it, and sprinkle it. And
1: <laughs>
0: Lord, I, hey, hey, tree of life, I don't want to pastor without the Holy Spirit factoring. I can't do it. I cannot do it. Not in 2020. I can't do it. I need the Holy Ghost to immerse me and cover me and cloak me and speak through me and operate in me. I need the Spirit factor. Come on, somebody lift up your hands to him right now in the name of Jesus. I need somebody who wants the work of the Holy Ghost to be in operation in your life. I need you to come down right now. Come on, come down right now and say, God, I need the Holy Ghost to work in my family. I need the Holy Ghost to work in my ministry. I I need the Holy Ghost to work in my parenting. I need the Holy Ghost to work in my marriage, in my home, in my job, in my finances. I need it,
1: Lord. uh, We need your presence. Your kingdom. Your wisdom.